Well, it was George Washington who said, associate yourself with men of good quality. Associate yourself with men of good quality. Nothing is going to change your life more than the people you associate with. As we've said many times, most people's lives are a direct reflection of the expectation of their peer group. So find people that will challenge you to live your life at a different level, spiritually and as an individual in your relationships. Hang around people that challenge you to a different standard. John Adams said, to be good and to do good is all we have to do. What a great way to live life. Something very different than many people live today. To do good, to be good. That's all we have to do. Great statement here by Machiavelli in the 1400s. It is not titles that honor men, but men that honor titles. It's not the title that we carry. It's how we live our life that brings honor to that title, whether that title is husband, wife, mother, father, grandparent, employer, employee, whatever that title is. It's how we live our life that brings honor to that. And for us as believers, the, the first title we want to honor is that of a follower of Christ and to live up with that calling with honor. We are very close, just days away from Pentecost, and we've been looking at this time period between the, the feast, the week of Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. All of that is the time frame that Christ was then crucified and buried and rose again. And then Pentecost, which is a few days away, between those feasts and the New Testament is when Jesus spent the 40 days with the disciples, of which John said, if I wrote down everything Jesus did, the world could not contain the books. The Old Testament parallel is the time of Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they would just now be reaching then Mount Sinai, where Moses in a few days then would receive the Ten Commandments. So for us, we're going to take a moment here and just look at again this time frame, starting with Exodus 3, chapter 13, verse 3, where Moses says, Remember this day, the day you left Egypt. Egypt, again, represents sin, represents the world. So we too, every day, not just on certain holidays, are called to remember the day we left Egypt, to do good every day, to give honor to that day we were set free from sin, brought from darkness to light by Christ, giving His life and us being given that salvation in Him. Remember the day, the day that you left Egypt. Love this quote by Dave McKay, who said, The purpose of the gospel is to make bad men good and good men better. We simply have to stop and say, Is the gospel so much a part of my life that I am becoming more and more like Christ? This remembrance, not just on the feast days, not just on the biblical celebrations, but day to day, to stop and remember and go back and say, I give honor to the day I left Egypt by God's grace, who rescued me by the salvation bought with the price of blood that Christ shed on our behalf. Let's take a moment and consider the words of Moses here. Again, these are parallel time frames taking place in these feast days. Moses leaving Egypt, and then Jesus after the resurrection, spending those 40 days with the disciples. Look at Moses' words, though. Exodus 13, 9. The feast day celebrations shall be as a sign on your hand, as a memorial between your eyes, and the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. Those words, over time, became 
something that got transformed from their true meaning into something else that was taking place even in Jesus' day. This idea of a sign on your hand, a memorial between your eyes, was then given not just a spiritual application, but people began to tape what are known as phylacteries, essentially leather straps that were tied to a box, and they would wrap those around their head or their arms or their hands, taking Moses' words to somehow become an outward expression, a visible expression, to say, if Moses wanted a memorial on my hand, I'll tie scripture to my hand, to my eyes, I'll tie scripture to my head, or some tied it to their shoulder so that scripture would be closer to their heart. It was originally done as an outward show to to display somebody's commitment, and also the idea was that perhaps other cultures would look at that and be compelled to, to also seek what that meant. The truth is, though, it was just always seen as an odd behavior, something that people don't do too much today. You might see some in the Middle East that have a, a phylactery is what it's called, where they take the leather strap and tie it to their head with scripture boxes or tie it to their hands. But mostly it's, it's a time from the past that people did that. But it took place in the first century where they took these phylacteries and tied them to their bodies. But notice what Jesus has to say about that practice. Matthew 23, verse 5. Everything the scribes and Pharisees do is done for people to see. They even make their phylacteries wide. Going back to that time frame, Jesus talking about the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders. He says what they do, they do for show. It's easy to put a a box and tie it to your your forehead or to your hand and do an outward sign like that. Jesus said the scribes and Pharisees did it to impress people. They didn't just have a phylactery, they made extra big ones. So the people would see them and Jesus goes on to say they did this to impress people in the hopes they would receive then a seat of honor at a dinner or a banquet or in the public. Now, again, people don't tie phylacteries to their foreheads and arms today, but any outward show that is not then a true expression of an inward change would be something Jesus was rebuking here. It could be simply going to church without there being any change in our heart, some outward display. Monica and I knew a number of people that fell into this trap, and, and some stand out very well that they, they had this outward dedication, but the inward darkness they hid in their hearts. Sometimes it's very easy to fool people, simply looking at the outward expression, not knowing what's internally taking place or what's going on behind closed doors. Jesus makes it clear, though, we may fool other people. He himself, of course, though, is never fooled. Notice what he says, Matthew 23, verse 1 through 3. The teachers of the law, the Pharisees and the scribes, sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you to do, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. He's saying here, what the scribes and Pharisees say to do, you should do that when they're quoting Moses. The scribes and Pharisees memorized the Old Testament, and Jesus said they did that very well. And when they're quoting Scripture, Scripture is there to guide our life. So when they're quoting Scripture, hear what they say and follow that Scripture. But notice what he says again, but don't do what they do, 
because they do not practice what they preach. Summarized there in that statement is much of what is wrong in our culture today. And it's something people are dying to find is those who do practice what they preach. We don't have to get into specifics, but we each can see things that are not the way they are meant to be. And much of that, again, is because people say one thing, but they do another. Jesus would say, don't follow people like that. The question is, if he were pointing to your life and my life, would he say, follow that person's example? They practice what they preach. Or would he say, don't follow that person's example? They don't have any integrity. So what did Moses intend for us to understand? If he didn't mean for people to tie boxes of Scripture to their foreheads or their hands. And what did Jesus want us to understand as well in this picture? Again, it's not the outward things that people see. It's what's taking place in the heart that God is looking at. Exodus 13, 9 again. The feast day celebrations shall be to you as a sign on your hand. Look at the first part there, the sign on your hand. Your hand in Scripture represents the actions that you take. The feast day celebrations, not just a a day on the calendar, but every day we should look back and say, as a memorial to the day I left Egypt, the day I left sin in the world, the day I was set free from darkness, I want to live every day honoring God, the sign on my hand, the actions that I take. Incredible statement by Solomon in Proverbs chapter 4. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, contrast two groups of people. Notice the radical difference here. Proverbs 4, 18, he says this, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter to the full light of day. The path of the righteous. You think about the sunrise, there's a little bit of light. And as it continues to rise, more and more light until the sun, highest point in the sky, brighter and brighter. He said, that's the path of the righteous. Things become clearer and clearer. And the path becomes more and more open as we follow Christ. Walk in the light as He is in the light. Charles Spurgeon, the most popular preacher outside the New Testament, preached in London in the 1800s. His sermons were put in newspapers around the world and read here in America as well. So popular was he had this to say to a critic. I'm told Christians do not love each other. I am very sorry if that be true, but I rather doubt it. I suspect that those who do not love each other are not Christians. Words that penetrate in a culture like ours where Charles Spurgeon pulled no punches. Rather than looking at the compromise and saying, well, those people are not living up to who they should be. He said, listen, if you're looking at somebody whose life is lived in that continual compromise, he said, I uh, doubt they truly are Christians to begin with. That sign on our hand, the actions that we take day to day. We might have external things that fool other people, but the internal part that Christ sees We want to be people that say, you know what, I want to live at a different standard where He is my 
my guide. Path opens up wider and wider, brighter and brighter, the sun shining that light, and I see things clearly. Look at the second group Solomon talks about, Proverbs 4.19, though. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. When you and I look at terrible things that happen, not just in our country, but around the world, and say, how, how do people engage in things like that? How do people live in sin, and how do people have such selfishness? What does Solomon say? They stumble in the darkness, and they don't even know over what they are stumbling. When people laugh at sin and wink at sin and want to change the definitions of right and wrong, they're stumbling in the darkness. And culture mocks the things of Scripture and elevates the things that God condemns. It's people stumbling in the darkness, not even knowing over what they stumble. Matthew Henry, on this verse in the 1600s, says, The way of sin is as darkness. The way of the wickedness is the dark and dangerous. They fall into sin and know not how to avoid it. Years ago, I was at a seminar where they asked a simple question. If you're lost in the woods at night and you have no flashlight, what should you do? The first instinct for many people is if you're lost, you panic. So try to find a way out of the woods. They think it's dangerous in the woods. What if there's a predator in the woods? The reality, though, is if you're lost in the woods, you have no flashlight, the most dangerous thing you can do is what people first tend to do, trying to get out of the woods. Because what happens is you can't see in the dark, you trip, you break a leg, now you're in real danger. Or you fall down a hole and you get hurt, now you're in even a graver situation. What do you do if you're in the woods at night and you have no flashlight? You sit still and you wait till light and then find your way out. Stumbling in the darkness, it's dangerous. Solomon says the same thing. Sin, people stumble, and they don't even know what they're stumbling over. What is different for the believer, the path before us, like the sun rising brighter and brighter, it becomes clearer and clearer. Starts, though, with... What do we do with our hands, the actions that we take? Exodus 13, verse 9, Moses continues, The feast shall be a memorial between your eyes. Between your eyes. Representing what you pay attention to, what you look at, what you think about. Paul makes it clear that in Christ, we are given the mind of Christ to see things differently. A new perspective. Jesus would talk about the Pharisees in that same sermon that he gave about don't do what they do because they don't practice what they preach. And then he looked at the Pharisees gathered there and he said to them, woe to you blind guides. Woe to you blind guides that they don't see. And he says the blind lead the blind. They both fall into a pit. Again, what do we see in our culture? The blind leading the blind, stumbling together, causing pain and destruction, not knowing even what they stumble over. How different for the believer whose eyes have been opened. They can see things differently. Brad Dean pulls no punches when he says it this way. In many cases, people in America do not want to be delivered from their sins. They want to be delivered from God 
and to remain in their sins and call it grace. May it not be in our lives to hold on to a sin and just say, well, God's grace. Again, Paul would say to that argument, but if you've died to sin, how would you live there any longer therein? The day we left Egypt should challenge us each day. What we do with our hands, what we do with our sight, how we live our life. You know, Paul himself would be challenged by people about these external things where people would say things like a baptism, a circumcision, a title, being known as a religious person. They would say these things have meaning. And Paul would say if there's no internal change, those things are as nothing. But he would go on to say to people, listen, you know what? You can have all the grandest titles in all the respect of people, but if Christ is not the light of your life, you have nothing. And they would say, but what about our traditions? And he would say, your traditions are as nothing if Christ is not your life. And to those critics and to the people listening to that argument, he wrote Galatians. In Galatians 1, he says this, Am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Each of us has to come to that same place to say, look, in a culture of compromise, do we simply play fast and loose with the truth, go along to get along? Or do we speak the truth and say, listen, I'm not trying to gain the acceptance of people. I'm not trying to please men. If I was following Christ, truly following Him as I'm called to do, my thought is not going to be whether or not people are pleased. My thoughts will simply be the audience of one. Have I been faithful to Him? Have I honored Him? Have I given memorial to that day He brought me out of Egypt? Even if all the crowds want to go back to Egypt, may we stand in truth in Christ and say, I am not trying to please people. I'm trying to follow Christ. John Wesley, the 1700s said, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. What one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. That's why it's so important we do not live in compromise. We do not live continuing to seek the approval and to go along to get along. Because when sin is tolerated, pretty soon it becomes embraced. We want to be the people that live faithfully in Him because the world is dying to see those who practice what they preach. And they're dying to say, show me the light out of this darkness. I'm tired of stumbling around. It's important to remember Exodus 14 in this whole story that Pharaoh, after the people were let go, were told that he changed his mind again. And in Exodus 14, he pursued Moses and the Israelites. Pharaoh represents Satan. Egypt is sin in the world, promised land is salvation, and Pharaoh goes after the people on their way to the promised land. What's the image? That Satan doesn't give up without a fight. He does not leave us alone once we leave his kingdom. Rather, he pursues, he harasses, he tries to get people to compromise, to fall, tempting us to sin. That's why we have to be careful what we do with the memorial, how we live daily. 
our hands, the actions that we take, our eyes, the way that we see the world. And then as we close the last thing, Exodus 13, 9, Moses says these feasts should then be the law of the Lord in your mouth. Actions with the hands, focus with the eyes, and then the mouth, he said, should confess the promises of Scripture, confess the thoughts of Christ, confess the life that we have in Him, and should confess the gospel so that those in darkness can see the light as well. What do we do now with the memorial day today of the day we left Egypt? Whether for you that was a week ago or decades ago. To each stop and say, you know what? Do I honor Him daily with my hands? Do I honor Him with my sight, my thoughts, what I focus on, the way I see the world, and with my mouth? That He is my confession. To practice what we preach, because there are those around us stumbling in the darkness, not even knowing over what they trip. But when we come forth and say, let me tell you the way out of Egypt, with the confession of my mouth, sharing Scripture, the promise of the Gospel, that the light would dawn in their life as well, so that they can see more clearly and the path open up brighter and brighter as they can leave sin behind, enter into the promised land, set free in Christ. And all of us then can say together to God, be the glory.